0: Welcome to LifeBridge Online. We are so glad that you are coming alongside our in-house worship service and participating in this journey of knowing the Bible better. We're on a year-long journey through a series called Core 52 where we are looking at 52 uh, different topics. We're memorizing scripture, we're meditating. I just pray that as you journey with us this year that, that you're going to reach and exceed even some of your spiritual goals, your relational goals that you might have set uh, between you and God. Last week, if you joined us, uh, I shared with you our desire to have better engagement with our online audience. And if you know anything about me, you know that man, social media and Michael just don't really get along. And I've been asked for years to be more engaging, to be to lead the charge on social media, and and I I put up a fight, I really don't like to do it, but we are at a place, and and I'm just that thick-headed and hard-headed where everybody else has embraced this years ago. Um, I am, of course, 10, 12 years too late, but we are getting into uh, the social media game at a different level. And so in the coming weeks, we are going to be launching a LifeBridge Facebook group that you can join so that we can engage with you better and there's going to be a lot of activities going on in the in this group there's going to be uh, question and answer times there's going to of course be our sermons worship services will be included in that there will be opportunity for us to to meet whatever part of the world you might be in there will be opportunity for us to engage with one another so keep your eye out for this information Hey, let's uh, let's pray, and then we're going to get into the fall. Hey, God, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to gather once again. Lord, no matter where we are, whether it's uh, in our living room right now, worshiping you, riding down the road, cutting grass, raking leaves, doing whatever, uh, God, thank you for the opportunity that we have uh, just to, to hear your word in so many different places as we go through life. And Father, I pray that every time we, we turn on our podcast or our YouTube videos, um, our Facebook channels, whatever it is, God, I pray that every time we do this, this is just another another bit of nourishment that we gain from you. And so Father, I pray that as we spend a few minutes together today talking about temptation, talking about this moment where Eve and the serpent uh, interacted, God I, God, I pray that our response after today looks a whole lot more like Jesus than it does Eve. We love you. We pray these things in your son's holy name. Amen. Have you ever had that perfect moment in time? You know what I'm talking about. That that moment in life where it just cannot get better. You know, maybe you're at a sporting event, or maybe you're even participating in the sporting event, and, and you just, man, you can't miss, or you, you're just you're playing your best game, or, or maybe it's a it's a dove hunt where you're out and you just, man, you're on fire, you just cannot miss at all. Maybe it's an academic moment where where you're sitting in the classroom, you're sitting in the test, and 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 you are recalling all the information, and it is just coming to you naturally maybe maybe this perfect moment happens to to be a date with your spouse or your loved one maybe it's a it's a moment uh, at a family vacation I I know what amanda would say if, if you ask us I say tell us about a perfect moment I, I know what she would say well I, there's been a lot I mean after all I'm married to Michael so there's been a lot of Perfect moments. Okay, I mean, she wouldn't say that. But, but I do want to tell you one little quick story. Uh, some of you might have heard this before. She would tell you that the first perfect moment happened to be our second day of marriage. Day two was the perfect moment. Uh, we left the hotel very early in the morning because everybody wants to wake up to catch a, you know, seven o'clock. Flight uh, from Atlanta to Miami to catch a cruise the next day. So we got married on Saturday, flew to Miami on Sunday, taken off on a, off on a cruise on a, on Monday. But day two, this this one full day that we had in Miami was all about one thing and one thing only: the Miami Dolphins. That's right. I know what you're thinking. Is you Amanda's first full day of marriage included a football game in another state that we had to get to. The Dolphins happened to have a a four o'clock game against the Seattle Seahawks. The timing was perfect. We were leaving for Miami, so everything was just falling in line. I have family members who are are lifelong uh, Miami Dolphins fans, And, and so it was just one of these moments that we're there, we've got to take advantage of this. And so a few minutes into the game, the great Dan Marino got hurt. You know, the guy that I actually came to, to watch. He, he was legendary at that point in time in, in his career, and you came to see Dan Marino play. Of course, he got hurt, so the backup guy by the name of Craig Erickson comes in to play quarterback. Erickson, I do believe, was sacked four times. He threw a couple of interceptions. And on the day, the Miami Dolphins fumbled the ball six, maybe seven times. And to top it off, they got beat, as you can imagine. But here's the thing. That's not even the worst part of the game. The worst part of the game actually started about an hour and a half before kickoff. And it was one of those South Florida tropical storm rain showers that came and just set over South, Miami, uh, South Florida. And it just was a massive storm that just brought lots and lots of rain. Hour and a half before the game. And, and it lasted all the way through to like the third quarter. And so being the the noble, being the uh, chivalry-driven husband that I am day two, I gave Amanda all that we had to protect herself from the inclement weather. And all that we had at the time was a water-resistant, not waterproof, a water-resistant yellow pullover windbreaker made by IZOD. And I remember those details, I remember this jacket. It was not meant for much more than a mist. But that's all we had at the moment. And so I gave that to her, we showed up to the game, and and, and at that time period, just with uh, the, the cab that we took, it dropped us off several blocks from the stadium, and uh, and we had to walk. And so she's walking and she's, she's got that, that yellow windbreaker on and, and I've got really nothing on but, but my shirt and I might've had something else. And we got to the first place and uh, I tried to secure us some ponchos. Um, and Amanda has a completely different version of this story than, than I do, but she will tell you that I was the only one that came out of there with a poncho Uh, She had to sit the rest of the game to watch the Dolphins play just a terrible game in the rain, getting soaking wet. All right, so that isn't the perfect moment in our marriage. It's certainly been one that that we have shared over and over again, and she has certainly uh, gotten 24 years of mileage out of that. Uh, But we've all had those moments, right, where... Man, if it could just stay like this forever, life couldn't get any better. We've all had those moments. And so whatever your moment is, it doesn't really compare, believe it or not, to the moment of perfection that Adam and Eve had. Think about those two for a minute. They've got it like they like it. It's just the two of them on earth. They get to walk in the garden with God. They get to enjoy paradise. They they don't get to enjoy it in the fallen state that we see the world in today, but they get to enjoy this in its original design. Everything they need in life is provided for them. They get to enjoy marriage and and the fruits of marriage, the way God intended. They get to live in this utopian world. It is perfect. But then something happened, didn't it? This alternative force enters the scene. It comes in to... Eve and Adam's presence in the form of a serpent. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, and we want to read verses 1 through 6 here. Um, Verse 1 begins, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Verse 6, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. Everything was as it was meant to be and then Adam and Eve gave in to this thing called temptation now out of the gate that today I want to sh- I want you to understand two things about temptation i want you to understand two things about this interaction between Eve and the shrewdest of all animals the serpent the first thing is this temptation is not sin. You know, at this point, Eve is talking with no shoulders, the serpent, the snake, and and they're sitting there and they're engaging, engaging in this conversation. And the serpent is always going to be trying to manipulate. It's always going to be trying to mislead. But in this moment, hey, nothing is wrong. Eve has not done anything wrong as far as her standing with God. So that's the first thing I want you to know, that temptation in itself is not sin. The second thing I want you to know is that temptation is, if you will, it's a necessary evil in our life. It's something that we need to be part of the equation when it comes to our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And here's the thing about temptation. It can be beneficial to us. It, it, it's like a test that we have to face. It, it shows growth and it shows improvement. And so temptation will be and needs to be part of our life. So let's talk through this for a few minutes tonight. Let's understand temptation. So when we ask the question, hey, what is temptation? What, what do you think about? Well, temptation, uh, if, you, if you look at the biblical definitions, Temptation is the enticement to do or have something that you know you should not do or have, right? Like, like that, the temptation is this enticement to do or have something that you know you should not do or have. Uh, one In the Hebrew, the word temptation means to snare. It's a trap. And I think it helps if we understand that. Uh, James 1.14 tells us where temptation comes from. And it says that temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Our own desires within us entice us and drag us away. A temptation, from our reading, comes in three forms. So if you're reading along with us in our Core 52 book, Mark Moore goes on to, to describe that, that temptation comes in three forms. It comes in fleshly desires. It, it comes in visual cravings. And it comes in social position. And of course, Mark Moore doesn't just come up with this. He takes this from Scripture. 1 John 2, 15 and 16 reads, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Understanding that temptation is an enticement or something we don't need or should not have, look back again at Genesis verse 6 when Eve gave into temptation it says the woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious she wanted the wisdom it would give her so she took some of the fruit and she ate it then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too what does John tell us now flip back to John as we do this comparison the desires, what is temptation, and what forms does temptation come? The desires of the flesh, the de- desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the three forms that temptation present themselves. And so looking at Eve and what she's experiencing, the tree was beautiful. The fruit looked delicious. Hey, look, that's that's the visual cravings. And that, That's the form of of it being delightful looking. Uh, it, then there's the I want the wisdom it will provide. I mean, that's how that's how it's recorded. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. That that's the fleshly desire form of temptation. And, and then if you look up in verse uh, five again, it says it will make. You like God. If you eat this, Satan says, you will be like God. That's the social position. That's the, the pride of life. I can elevate myself or be seen as more than I really am. And, and so when you when you study 1 John 2, 15 and 16, that talks about the three forms of what temptation looks like, you see all three of those being played out in the fall of man when Eve and Adam, he's there, when they are being tempted. So so hopefully this gives you a little better understanding of, of temptation. Enticement for something we don't need or shouldn't have. And it comes in three forms. Fleshly desires, visual cravings, and social position. I know we are all too familiar with temptation. We talk about temptation, we talk about understanding temptation, but we've all been there and we've all given in to temptation. We have been in that garden, haven't we? We've been attracted by the the pretty fruit and maybe it wasn't fruit, maybe it wasn't a garden, but we've had that moment where there is something that is enticing and we give in. So how do we best deal with these moments? How do we deal with the moments where the, and that tree sure is beautiful, and it, its fruit looks delicious. How do we deal with the moments in life where temptation is going to happen? Because we know it's going to happen. It doesn't stop. I, I am I am middle aged, and I, I was kind of hoping that by the time I got to my late forties, that temptation will be a thing of the past. But it it continues on. And so today, I want to give you three things to help you deal with temptation. These are three things found in Scripture. They're three things that are part of my life. They're three things that that I. I impress these upon my own children as they are growing and maturing in in their faith. And so, the first thing to deal with temptation is this: stand firm on the Word of God. I, I think that this alone is the most important thing that you can have in in your arsenal when it comes to fighting against temptation. Is standing firm on the Word of God. Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. Reads that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Knowledge of God's word teaches us to do what is right. And, and, and church, let me just share a couple of things with you real quick. Owning a Bible, having a Bible on your phone, having a Bible on, on the bookshelf, having a Bible on the nightstand, whatever the case may be, is not enough. Having access to a Bible app or having access to Google is not enough. Those are wonderful things. And it's great that we have many copies of the Bible laying around our house. It's great that we have the Bible on our phone. It's great that we can listen to it from different people, from different narrators. All of those things are wonderful things. But if we're going to fight temptation, we've got to know God's word. Knowing God's word, as Paul wrote to Timothy, teaches us and it reveals to us right from wrong. And I don't know about you, but looking back in my life, there is a lot of temptation that took place where I, was, I wasn't stopping to Google my situation to see if it was right or wrong. I, I wasn't stopping to, in the moment, I wasn't stopping to say I, I should be doing something different or this is the, the comeback to what I am facing In the exact moment that I was giving in to this temptation, a Bible on the shelf, Google, an app was of no use to me. We must stand firm on God's word. And it's not stand firm on God's word over there. It's stand firm on God's word that is hidden in our heart. We've got to know the Word of God. That's why in this Core 52 series, we are making such an emphasis on the scripture memorization and the meditation practices. Those disciplines are super, super helpful when it comes to knowing God's Word. Hey, the second thing that I would tell you to do, and this is important, okay? This, this is like 1A, really, and that's pray. And pray daily. Jesus tells us in Matthew six thirteen, 13, as he's teaching us to pray, that that part of the routine prayer that happens on, on, a, on a regular, routine basis includes asking to not, to not give in to temptation. Matthew 6, 13 says, And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. That's at the beginning, towards the beginning of his ministry when he's when he's teaching his disciples in a, a large crowd about prayer, and he's teaching them a, a lot of things. Towards the end of his ministry, in, in Matthew 26, he's in the garden and he's praying, and he's taking some disciples and they have fallen asleep, and, and, he, and he wakes them up and he's like, come on. He says, keep, watch, and pray. Watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the Spirit is willing to, but the body is weak. So Jesus tells us that when we pray, pray that we will not give in to temptation. Obviously, I don't know my audience right now, and I don't know who all is listening to this, but I would like to ask you this question about your prayer life. When was the last time you consistently asked God, to keep you from falling into temptation. The third thing, and this is certainly an important one, is to resist. Resist the devil. James 4, 7 says that we are to submit ourselves to God. Resist the devil, and look what he does. He will flee from you resist the devil and he leaves the word resist isn't some passive response to the devil like many christians unfortunately take that approach when it comes to resisting it's it's very passive when it comes to aggression and how we resist the devil it's kind of this laid-back approach of, oh, it'll be okay. I'm not going to be impacted by this. Um, it's not a big deal. But when you, this Bible word of resist, think of resisting in the manner you would if your life were being threatened. Like, like, That's what this word resist is all about. If your life is being threatened, how would you then resist whatever it is that is threatening your life? We're familiar with the the fight or flight response mechanism within our body. Isn't that cool that the way God designed us, part of our very nervous system that we're created with has this mechanism that will naturally react one of two ways when certain stresses happen in life. There just happens to be this this internal thing that happens. It's uncontrollable. One of two things is going to happen. I was sharing a story with uh, some uh, friends in our church just the other night about uh, one of my very first nights at Lifebridge Christian Church. I, I had worked in the office well after dark. It was late in the evening and I was leaving and I was approached as I made my way out to the parking lot to get in my truck. I was approached by, by three young men and they actually came up to me as I was opening the back door of my truck. So I saw them coming and I'm putting my stuff in the back. And when I turn around, they are right there. And and and, and I didn't have a cell phone within reach. I, you know, I couldn't just crank up the truck because I was at the back door. And there was just this natural response and and it just it happened. It, it something came out of me, and and it was, I can't fight, boys, so I'm gonna fight. And I just happened to have Lord will Lord blessed me in this moment. I just happened to have a large wrench uh, about eighteen inches long that was right in my reach, and I was able to pull it out. And I was in this moment saying, Hey, I've got nothing. The only thing I can do in this moment is to fight. And it's that natural response when our life is threatened. We do one of two things we either fight or we flee. So, but this is how we resist the devil with the same approach, with the same mentality. It's either devil we're fighting or devil. I'm fleeing from you. I'm running from you. I'm resisting. I'm getting out of the way. You know, Ephesians tells us that the spiritual battles that we face, they're not of this world. And and there's this whole couple of sections in in Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6 that tells us that if we're going to fight these temptations, then we have to be prepared for it. He said, You got to put on the armor of God. And, and Ephesians actually tells us that we're to stand firm in the truth. We're to stand firm when we are going to fight against these battles that are of the spiritual realms. The best example of fighting these temptations comes with the story of Jesus. Before he began his ministry, you know, he, he went. And as he was being obedient, he went out, uh, he found John, he was baptized. And and then Matthew 4 tells us the story of, of Jesus going into the wilderness. And here's some things Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to face temptation. All right? Like he was led out there for that purpose. So if you were with us last week, we talked about the, the Trinity sum. One third of the very nature of God led another third of the nature of God out into the wilderness to be tempted. And after 40 days and nights of going without food, Matthew says Jesus was hungry. And, and I personally believe that, that Jesus was just in a weakened state. And then the devil shows up the devil shows up to tempt Jesus and and once again when we look at this story and you can go back and you can read it in Matthew 4 the temptations there's three of them right temptations come in how many different forms three different forms Eve faced all three Jesus also faced all three there's the fleshly desire form of temptation where Satan's is like, "Hey, just turn this these rocks into bread." The, there's the pride of life position, the social position form, right? Where where Jesus, where Satan took Jesus up, and he says, "Hey, throw yourself off, throw yourself from this high place because God is going to rescue you. God, God's gonna, God's gonna." Dude, he's going to elevate. You're going to be elevated to the status of God, even though you are God in human form. Throw yourself off in your fleshly human um, state that you are in, and God's going to rescue you. And then the third one is Satan took Jesus to a high place, and he showed him all the empires of the earth. Look at everything that's here. Look at at the great Roman Empire. Look at all these things. If you will bow down and worship me, I will give them to you. And that's the visual cravings form of, of temptation. And so Jesus is tempted to these three forms, just like Eve was tempted in these three forms. Temptation came in this moment, and Jesus fights back. For every temptation that Jesus faced, he comes back with God's word that is hidden in his heart. That's how we fight. That's how we fight Satan. We fight with God's word that is hidden here because that's the example. And, and what happened? What happened when Jesus resisted the devil? The devil left. The devil flee. Well, if we're not going to fight, then we have to be able to flee the moment of temptation. If we flee, we need to get out of the moment that temptation is happening. Again, this is not a, a passive response. This is a required action to move away literally, from the moment of temptation. If the temptation is happening, maybe it's happening between coworkers, it's happening in a discussion with someone else, and and the temptation is to maybe gossip. Maybe maybe the temptation is to to laugh at uh, coarse humor. Maybe the temptation when you're around this person is, is to engage in similar conversation as they do. As this is happening, and you know that this is happening, flee the situation. Politely excuse yourself. Maybe the temptation is happening on your computer screen. Yeah, we, we've, many of us have, have fallen into that temptation. Or maybe the temptation is, is happening in the form of your phone being right there. Turn it off and walk away. Get up from the moment that the temptation is happening and remove yourself from that environment. If, if, if it is your phone, turn your phone off and walk outside for a few minutes. If it's at work and, and it's your computer screen or whatever it may be, get up and walk away. Maybe the temptation comes in the form of, man, you just being at a store. The, 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 the internal desire, I have to Maybe buy something or swipe swipe my credit card one more time. Remove yourself from that environment. Flee from that environment. That's what resisting looks like. And resisting the devil, resisting temptation requires action on our part. And when we fail to resist, there's always a price to pay. When we fail to resist and we give in, there is always a price to pay. Would Satan, would the serpent tell Eve, if you eat the fruit or touch it, you're going to die? I mean, that's what God said, right? Like, like that's the price tag. God's like, if, if you do this, you're going to die. But that's not what the serpent said, right? He manipulated When we give in to the temptation that we are facing, there is always a price to pay. And the shrewd tempter always seems to make the price out to be so much less than what it really is. Oh, God said if you eat it or touch it, you're going to die. You won't die. It's it's not going to be that big deal. God doesn't want you to have it because he knows that then you will have wisdom. You will have wisdom that he has You won't die, he told the woman. Of course, we know that God's in charge and he's the one who gets the final say in things. And it wasn't an immediate price to pay. But death certainly came. So we've kind of talked a lot about temptation. And I want to leave you with one more uh, thought. Actually, it's a couple of thoughts, but, but one more verse. As we wrap up this conversation about temptation, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Paul writes, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. Don't miss that first thought. The temptations that you and I face are the temptations that you and I face. My struggles are similar to your struggles. And I want to believe that Paul includes this detail to just confirm the need to live in relationship with one another because we have this in common. It's not like I'm over here isolated. It's not like I'm over here being tempted by things that you aren't going through. That's a tactic. That's a ploy from, from Satan himself. He wants you to know and he wants you to believe that you are by yourself, but that's not true. Paul tells us the temptations that we face are temptations that we all face. We play a game in life group every few years called Have You Ever? And and it's a youth group game that uh, might have some modifications based on the the age of of our life group. But the purpose of the game in the life group setting is to get to know people in our group better and to realize how much we actually have in common. And every time we play it, participants realize that we share the same struggles. And I think as we wrap this talk up, we need to know that the the person in the car next to us, if you're driving down the road, shares a lot of the same struggles. The person that sits in the cubicle around from you shares a lot of the same struggles. Your mom, your daughter, your whatever, your neighbor, Share a lot of the same struggles. We're all tempted in a similar form or fashion. But look at this next line. Praise the Lord because God is faithful. And he's not going to allow us to be tempted more than we can bear. This this is another ploy from, from Satan. Church, you've never been in over your head. It may seem like it, it may seem like there's so much temptation and there's so much spiritual warfare going on in your life that you just can't get keep your head above water. You can't avoid it, but we have to have the assurance from God that he is not going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you are capable of handling. And it doesn't matter what your circumstance is. It doesn't matter what the temptation is in the moment. God is not going to allow you to be tempted more than you can handle. And I think back and I read through that story and I read through that interaction between Eve and the serpent. And I think, man, if Eve would have known this information, if she would have just known in this moment, this temptation from the serpent is is strong. But there's, I, I can handle, I can handle more. I can take it. I can escape. I can flee. I can fight. And she just would have trusted the word of God, where He said, "Do not eat." But who am I kidding? I know that verse. I, I didn't even have to Google the reference to find out where that verse is. I, I, I knew that 1 Corinthians ten thirteen tells me that God's not going to allow me to be tempted more than I can handle. And yet I still give in. Church, God's going to show you a way out. It says it right there. You know, God the Father did not stop God the Spirit from leading God the Son into the wilderness to be tempted. Didn't happen. But God the Father did give God the Son a way out. So as you go through life and as you face temptation, stand firm in God's word. Pray daily and resist and as you do these things your outcome will look a lot more like Jesus's outcome than it did for Adam and Eve if you're going through something, if you're in the moment right now, maybe the church maybe, maybe a life group, maybe just reaching out to someone to talk is the way out. If that's the case, reach out to us. You can reach out through our Facebook page. You can always email me, Michael at LifeBridge Christian. If you know my number, give me a call. Praying for you. Miss you. Can't wait till a couple weeks from now when we get to engage with you a little bit better. Till then, stand firm. Pray daily. Resist.